one regular season. It's WIP's ultimate sports ticket. Sports Radio 94. WIP. I'm Spike Eskin. 888-729-9494. It's funny, that HGH thing with uh, Utley and David Segui, as I said, was on with Anthony and Glenn and suggested that HGH, not that not that Utley do it without medical supervision or without it being allowed, but suggested that HGH would, would help solve Utley's problems. And I have an arthritic hip, and I went into my boss's office right after I listened to it, and I said, yo, I'm... I'm going to talk to Anthony and get David Segui's phone number and have him get me HGH. And he looked me dead in my eye and he said, you're not going to call David Segui and get HGH. <laughs> Bro, it's not your hip. You know, you start getting old. People don't understand, man. I mean, kids don't understand. I tell people younger than me, you, you know, when your lower back and your hip starts to go and you start to feel like, oh, my God, this is the end. Like, this is never going to get any better. And you hear somebody talking about HDH that might make your hip better. I'll inject myself every morning with HGH. I'm scared to death of needles, but I will wake up and go to the fridge and get my HGH needles and... And stick them in me, and I I don't care, man. I don't care. Johnny, good times. Would you would you inject yourself with HGH if it meant if it meant feeling better? Oh, I already do, <laughs> and, I, and I feel tremendous. Oh man, the way I mean, he was just. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, what do you think this body's natural? <laughs> Um, Johnny, Johnny, good times of phillysportshistory.com. And you write for Philly Magazine or Philly Magazine's website, right? Or do you write for the actual magazine or? Yeah. Oh, no. They don't let me near the, uh, near the fancy, shiny objects. They just, uh, they got me on the blog, though. Well, that's all right. Because the magazine, you basically just have to be involved in jewelry stores in Villanova. And if, if you're not. Right. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Ever since I moved away from the main line, I just don't know what to talk about. Um, what do you think? Maybe maybe it'll be the tiebreaker opinion. Lee thought that um, that Utley and Amaro's kind of silence is an assault on the fans' intelligence, and it was disrespectful. I think it doesn't matter as long as they're doing what's in best interest to win, because that's all I genuinely care about. Where do you sit on the issue? Well, I mean, I think that Lee is pretty generally, and pretty much everything out of his mouth is an assault on intelligence. Right. Um, needless to say, I'm going to disagree. I mean, I mean, what 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 do they owe us? I mean, uh, you know, I don't. It's not like I think there was some big cover up and they were like, oh, let's find the perfect day to unveil uh, unveil this. I think they just didn't know. I think they just, you know, were hoping and hoping and hoping and nothing was changing. I mean, I think they kind of with that kind of injury, I think you're kind of hoping he's just going to wake up one day and feel better and the closer you get to the season you realize that wasn't going to happen i think the difference between the phillies and the flyers and injuries is the phillies just don't overshare whereas the flyers mislead you know whereas the the flyers will say hey there's nothing wrong with them and then you'll wake up one morning and somebody's having back surgery or the flyers will say hey it's an upper body injury and you know then it's a, an infection and then it's a concussion whereas the flyers will almost intentionally mislead i just feel like the phillies only tell us what we need to know almost like the eagles do and i think there's a, a bit of a difference there yeah and i don't i mean i, I don't know I, I again i don't know what 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 do we what do they owe us you know i mean i guess that's just a winner right i mean that's yeah, all i mean they yeah i mean they they win 100 games every year and we're gonna sit here and cry because 
you know, we're not kept. We're not giving up to the minute. They don't give us up to the minute Twitter updates on each of their players' knee problems. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, what, what, there's got to be some sort of perspective here. There's got to be a, a Twitter account where they wake up every morning and they go ask Chase, okay, one to ten, how the knees feel. One to ten, yeah. with ten being the best. <laughs> one being yeah, the they worst. should do that just sarcastically. Yeah, just, just account, just an account every morning, just post a number. And that's what you know. Just say hey, that's what Chase said this morning about his name. Your blog about the the uh, the ten Phillies facts every real fan should know made me this morning on uh, on the Philly Post um, made me think that I'm not a Phillies fan because I didn't know any of these. I had no idea that the natural was based on a member of the Phillies. None. Well, loosely, loosely, yeah. Okay. I mean, it, it, it's it's not you know it's not exactly it's kind of like Hoosiers you know how they sort of took the the the, the sort of the main gist of the story and turned it into this, you know, love story and all this other nonsense. So this so guy got shot with, in the stomach. Yeah. J- just yeah, like Roy Hobbs. Had been a member of the Cubs and uh, this this young lady had fallen madly in love with him. Used to go all the games. She got really upset when he got traded to the Phillies. So then when the Phillies came back to Chicago for a game uh, in 1949, she, you know, left a note for him and said, hey, come meet me in my room. And he showed up, and she was standing there with a gun. Wow. I mean, that, that was always, as a kid, you know, when I watched The Natural, that was always the part of the movie that I didn't understand. But it, for some reason, didn't fit in the rest of the movie, like him getting shot. I didn't know. I was like, wait a minute. This, this is a movie about baseball. Why is he getting shot? I never quite got that part of that movie as a kid. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing that makes it obvious that this is what, you know, I mean, uh, Bernard, I, I think you pronounce it Malamud or what, however it is. I think it's obvious that that's where he got the story from is because it, what what a weird angle. A crazed female fan shoots a, a ball player and then he comes back the next year. And, and he wrote the book three years after this. So I don't think there was any, you know, because, you know, some people are like, oh, it's not really based on the book. It's not really based on white. So I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure if he wrote this three years later that this had something to do with it. Because it was a pretty big sensation. I mean, you know, can you imagine if a major league ball player got shot today? You know, I mean, Yeah, it would, it would be, be a big deal. Yeah. You know, and and just because we, they didn't have the Internet. I mean, baseball was king back then, and they had, you know, have how many papers in Philly? Probably 12. I mean, you know, like, it was all over the place. So it was, it was a big deal, and it definitely... The word got out, and then you know they they turned it into a book, and the book got turned into the movie. You have to wonder the other thing that the other one that I found interesting was number nine. You have to wonder if the Cliff Lee that played for the Phillies from 1921 to 1924 was as as nonchalant and cool as the Cliff Lee we have now. He was certainly a better hitter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if we could combine the two Cliff Lees. Oh I mean, man, what what you know? Look at what we'd have. Wait, the, the Cliff Lee from the twenties was a catcher. So if we had Cliff Lee from today and combined him with Cliff Lee from before, he could pitch and catch his own game. I know, I know. If we can get this time travel thing figured out, if we get, this, if we get these wormholes figured out, we can have Cliff Lee pitch to Cliff Lee, and they won't even have to like. After the time travel, they wouldn't have to make any trades. Yeah, on the same team. I mean that's huge. <laughs> um, so Johnny, good times. Your uh, your Philly sports history, uh, most infuriating Philly sports figure of all time competition, is down to the Sweet Sixteen. Indeed. Uh, um, you know, I think this eventually, and we'll get into the matchups here, but I think this eventually, does this come down to, or can it, because I'm not looking at the bracket itself, but does this end up with a Howard Eskin versus Norman Brayman final round? <laughs> Is that what we're headed to? I mean, I think I think we could have, 
it, I think we they could very well they could very well meet the final four. Wow. Now, now I think that they both got. I think I think Howard Askins' real challenge is right now because Askins up against JD Drew. Yeah, be sixteen. If he beats JD Drew, he's going to win his next round match because he's going to be Billy King or Ricky Waters. It's amazing so. to me that Billy King is this far in. Did he well, have an I, easy I think, route? I think a lot of it was like I think it was kind of the I like McNabb vote because uh, King was against McNabb in round two, and I think a lot of people voted for King just to say I don't hate McNabb. Yeah, because because Billy King seems though though he did sign Sam Dallam, Sam Dallenberg to a really terrible contract doesn't seem very doesn't seem all that infuriating. Just seems you know borderline frustrating. But that's where I'd leave it. Yeah, which, speaking of which, Dallenbear is a 14 seed, is in the Sweet 16. Uh, he is this year's Lehigh. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think Dallenbear, if it was a Sixer-centric, um, most infuriating, Dallenbear is a final-round kind of guy, but I think when he starts going up against the Billy Wagners of the world or Norman Brayman's well, of the world. Well, he's up against Rich Kotite, so I think he's getting ready to go down. Yeah, and then your favorite, your your overall number one seed, Kobe Bryant, goes in the most infuriating, the most infuriating versus Fred X. Um, yeah. which is interesting in that I think the difference here is that, um, Kobe is loved and hated, whereas Fred X, Fred X is like, is hated or meh. You know, I don't know that yeah, anybody yeah, loves Fred X how, anymore. How can you work up that much enmity toward Fred X? I mean, he was, he was kind of, he was a kind of amusing player who never lived up to the hype. And, and so it's, he's kind of, he's kind of in a weird place to be. I don't know. He was almost so much in your face that I think fans kind of like that part of it. But he was just so bad, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how he's found infuriating. I mean, he seemed like a pretty nice guy. He just wasn't very good. Well, he's in jail. So now, so winning most infuriating is probably the least of his goals or worries at this point. It's just stopping scamming other athletes out of money and getting out of jail are the top two things for Fred X to worry about. Yeah, but you got to think if he if he comes away with a win in this, it's just really going to be piling on. I mean, yeah. you got to you know you. <laughs> got to feel feel for the guy. I mean, he, he's sitting there in jail, and he's like, man, I just can't take one more bad thing happening. He, he scammed Drew Gooden. Like, where you're Fred X. At what point in your life do you think, man, I could totally scam Drew Gooden out of money? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Are you that hard up? He could If Fred X played it right, if Freddie Mitchell play, played it right, he could have played longer here. And I heard Ike telling the story. It was a, a, an interesting story. Ike Reese was telling the story one day that when, when the Eagles signed T.O., in practice, Fred, Freddie Mitchell used to come to the defensive huddle and talk about them throwing to T.O. too much in practice. Um, and one of the, re he, Ike said that he just talked himself out of the league. And if Freddie Mitchell hadn't done that, he would have had a longer career because he's certainly talented. He would have had a longer career and he could have been a sports talk and like Comcast Sportsnet guy in this city for 20 years. He could have yeah. made people love him if he embraced his role rather than reaching for something that he wasn't. And he just, he totally screwed it up. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're right. That's a, that's a good way to put it. I mean, he, he had such an inflated sense of self and he just, and he just didn't have any self-awareness. I mean, he just didn't know what he was. And, and like you said, I mean, if he had known what he was, he was a charming guy. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, you know, he could definitely, it's not like the guys on Sportsnet are all Hall of Famers. 
No, yeah. Well, I mean, I always liked, I don't know what happened. Vaughn Hebron, I always thought he was good. I don't know what happened to him. Um, but I thought, and he was certainly, you know, fell just short of the Hall of Fame. Um, yeah. Norman Brayman, who we mentioned earlier, is going up against in the most infuriating competition, most infuriating sports figures in Philly history, Philly sports history. Billy Wagner goes up against Norman Brayman, which Billy Wagner, um, I think, I think he loves messing, loves trolling Philadelphia. Um, I think he enjoyed being hated a little bit here, but I don't think he, he comes close to Brayman. No, know? I don't either. And I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit confused about the, about the Wagner anger or backlash. I mean, they, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, closers tend to be kind of weird. You know, they kind of t- t- tend to say weird things. I, I don't know. I just. I don't know why I don't know why people are so worked up about a couple of comments. He you know, hates just, Philadelphia, man. He I was in the locker room. I was in the Mets locker room. Um what was he on the Mets two years ago? And um my dad said something to him about coming back to Philly and Billy Wagner looked at him like he was crazy. Um Billy Wagner hates it here. He hates everything about Philadelphia, which I think I think makes our makes Philadelphia's hate of Billy Wagner even better on a lot of yeah, levels. Yeah, yeah. I mean at least it's mutual. But yeah, I mean I think he's I think he's going to get smoked by Brayman. Even though, I mean, people have shorter memories. I mean, the younger, any younger people that vote are going to vote for Wagner, but I think that, uh, I think that Brayman's got to take that one. And then it's going to be either Kobe or Fred X against Brayman, and that's a, that's a pretty big time matchup. Well, and again, like you brought up when you, when I had you on before, it's all about uh, it's all about age groups there because I can tell you that neither of those guys, and I know you weren't here or old enough for it, but neither of those guys were hated like Brayman was. Norman Brayman was is singularly. We can joke about my father because my father was loved and hated. No one loved Norman Brayman. Everybody hated Norman Brayman. Hated him. Um, so if if. I just man, I'm I'm pulling for Norman Brayman. Norman, I want Norman Brayman or my to win. yeah. He, he deserves. Look, the the only true victors here are Norman Brayman. If if the, he deserves this, he's worked for this. Yeah, if Norman Brayman wins, the right person won. If my father wins, it's hilarious. And I just I thought I'd I'd share with you. I sent it to my dad, and I'm like, hey, you know, you're in the Sweet 16 of the most infuriating sports figures of all time, and he said. Just because people will not let me win anything, I will get beat. So, <laughs> well, I tell you what, he's leading JD Drew right now. Okay, and uh, and, uh, and people so, and people, people can, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say people can vote. Um, it's Philly Sports History, and the voting is on uh, on Facebook. Just go to Facebook and find Philly Sports History, or you can go to the website phillysportshistory.com and just you know find the link from there. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean it's. It's pretty heated. The Kobe Bryant Freddie Mitchell thing is tied up, um, so that's closer than I thought. I thought Bryant was gonna was gonna take him out. Yeah, I um, think your view of how much he's he's despised around here is probably it's remember for every one person who loves Kobe Bryant for hate who hates Kobe Bryant here. I think there's somebody who loves him, and I I, I have a a you know a Wells Fargo Center full of Lakers fans the last time they were here to prove it. So he's got a lot a lot of a lot of friends here too. So yeah, yeah, and I think that it's sort of time. I think it's sort of time's gone by, and he's turned out to be one of the all time greats. I think people are kind of reaching that appreciation phase. Yeah. That I think a lot of people didn't reach with Jordan until he was mid thirties. And they're like, you know what? Maybe we should enjoy this instead of just concentrating on hating this guy because <laughs> it is pretty special. I mean, Kobe's going to go down as one of the greatest players to ever, 
you know, to ever lace them up. So, I mean, you gotta, you gotta respect them even if you can't stand them. Yeah. Whereas, I, whereas with Fred X, <laughs> you, you don't. I, yeah, yeah, there's, I don't know that there's any even respect there anymore. I had a, man, Kobe, Kobe, I got in a, a huge, Ike Reese is an enormous Kobe Bryant fan. And I would say it's the only time that it's gotten loud here. Maybe that and when we argued about Drew Holiday's defense, but the Kobe thing, man, does he love Kobe Bryant. Oh my goodness! Kobe fans love Kobe. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I got I got actually got an interesting story for me for you, and I just thought of it, and I I I I forgotten about it. But this is really strange. So, 12 years ago, and this is totally true, I worked at a dolphin facility in Hawaii. A dolphin facility? Yeah, I used to be a dolphin trainer. Okay. And we used to bring people in the water with the dolphins, and we took regularly celebrities would come in, you know, Joe Montana and you know John Lovitz and. Uh, uh, what's her name? One of the girls from Courtney Cox. These people come in, and most of them just sort of were doing it just to do it. And Kobe and his then wife came in the water, and they were the friendliest people we ever, the friendliest celebrities we ever took in. And Kobe cheated on his wife with the dolphin. Scene. The yeah, end. Right. And boom. No, 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 no. Dead serious. And, and, and the other thing was we had an Italian trainer, and he said Kobe Bryant uh, speaks Italian with absolutely no American accent. Yeah, he grew up there. That's where right, he grew sure. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was like, "Wow." He's like, "Most Americans still, even if they've lived there, still hang on to the American." He's like, "He has a no American accent." Well, uh, I learned something new about you and something new about Kobe. So, yeah, it's so all you know, in all, success. I, you know, I mean, we've gone in kind of two different directions since then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully he'll live up to your your standard one day. Yeah, I mean, someday maybe he can host Quizzo with the Locust Rendezvous. Yeah. But it's not going to be this week. <laughs> Thanks, man. Johnny Good Times is his name. The website is Philly Sports History. That's where you can vote on uh, on the most infuriating Philly sports figures of all time. Look, I'm campaigning for Norman Brayman or Howard Eskin. It's got to be one of the two. Who would there's no way you could think that Howard Eskin is more infuriating than Norman Brayman, could you? Uh, I don't think so. 888-729-9494. I'm Spike Eskin. 94 WIP Sports Time is 117. Sports Radio 94. 94 WIP. Sports Talk with no static. You're now in a different continuum than the world you're used to. Just great Philadelphia Sports Talk. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Thanks to Mr. Johnny Goodtimes for calling in. I'm Spike Eskin. Um, congratulations to Jody Meeks on his 31-point night. Mark Varzetta doing the updates was uh, telling me that Collins had some funny quotes about Meeks. Doug Collins loves Jody Meeks. Do you, Adam? Do you have those in there? Can you see if you have Doug Collins on Meeks? I mean, he had the one, the one that he just played during the update, which was that everybody loves him, everybody's cheering for him. But I think there was another one. Apparently, Doug Collins came into the press conference so excited to tell everyone that they got their first 30-point scorer was Jody Meeks. And Bob Cooney, who's the best, Bob Cooney said, well, actually, Doug, uh, Drew scored 30 points. You have it? Can you play it for me? Well, we had our uh, first 30-point score of the season tonight. Pretty amazing when you think about uh, 50 games into the season. Who, who else had As I said, we had our second... <laughs> I was given bad information, okay? I was vetted poorly by our political... Yeah, hey, hey, there you go. 
blame somebody else. That's the best part too. Uh, there's a there's an article. Uh, you know, I interviewed the guy earlier, but there's an article that talked about um, you know talked about the the Knicks game and how. Doug, you know, they had that big meeting after the Knicks game, and they came out, and they were all talking about, you know, we were playing selfishly and so on and so forth, and that, you know, that maybe some of those 50-50 balls they didn't go to were because Doug played Thaddeus Young too many minutes early in the game, and Thaddeus Young ran out of gas, and Doug eventually blamed somebody else. <laughs> he was so excited. Did you hear? Well, we had our first 30-point scorer of the year. Well, actually, but it was a great, it was a good night, and you know the thing about Joe, I, I I always say you can. It's hard to hate on players for um, for for their skill level. You know, Jody Meeks is what he is, and it's not his fault that he's getting played too many minutes, and it's not his fault that he's you know should be a ten or twelve minute guy and he's playing twenty minutes. Um, he just goes out and does what he does. You have to blame the people who are putting him in that position if you've got a problem with it. And uh, but Jody Meeks is always a guy that I've you know Jody Meeks tries so hard. I can never I can never you know begrudge Jody Meeks for his effort. You know, so Jody Meeks goes out and tries hard and Jody Meeks, you know, was the 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 victim of a lot of ire from fans and a lot of, you know, talk show hosts. And what is Jody Meeks doing starting? And all Jody Meeks is doing is going out and playing basketball. So it was good to see Jody Meeks have a good night um, and score 31 points when Evan Turner didn't. So Jody Meeks can go to sleep tonight knowing that he he has the most points in one game of any 76er this year. Um we're talking about Chase Utley earlier, and um, one caller, Erica, mentioned that um, that Chase Utley was irresponsible in that he cared more about too much about getting on the field and playing and um, ignoring his injury and perhaps um, perhaps not treating his injury with uh with enough vigor with 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 enough importance and worrying too much about baseball not enough about his injury and it's because of that that he's in this situation and it got me to thinking um and and we've had it a lot of, around this town and I think it's it's something in sports in general that's generally considered tough uh when players go and play with injuries and when they don't play with injuries a lot of times you call them soft or or they don't care enough or they're not putting enough effort into it and right now in Philadelphia when you think about it, we've got Ryan Howard, uh, who's recovering from the Achilles surgery. We've got Chase Utley with the knee problem. We have Ilya Brzgalov with the chipped, the, the chip break. Is that what they call it? A chip fracture. Um, and we have Iguodala, Andre Iguodala, who has the same injury uh, as Utley does. Um, and uh, actually, to go back a little bit, we had Spencer Hawes, who actually who actually got a lot of the criticism for not playing. You know, I heard that a lot on this station. I read it a lot. Is why doesn't Hawes man up and get in there and play? And you have guys like Iguodala and Utley, who um, who did play through injury um, and who maybe maybe were worse performers for playing through injury. And a guy like Hawes, who did try to rush back and maybe injured himself too quickly because he rushed back. And to go back even further, um, one of the the examples of a guy getting hell for not playing through injury was, and he certainly had other things mixed in with the injuries, but was Sean Andrews. And Sean Andrews had, you know, had and probably still has in his body somewhere all the talent in the world um, but had a lot of lower back problems and had two or three lower back surgeries. And a lot, of, a lot of people thought that that was 
Sean Andrews' uh, a lack of desire to play football was the reason he was saying that his back hurt and the reason he had these back surgeries and the reason that he wasn't out there. That was his lack of desire. Well, anyone who has had a lower back problem could tell you, um, myself included, that to be a 325-pound guy and push around guys that are 250 to 300 pounds that are coming at you full steam, uh, to have lower back problems and to do that seems like a near impossible thing. And that what is risky as lower back surgery is, to have lower back surgery just to prove a point doesn't happen. So I really, you know, I believe Sean Andrews when he says that he had, you know, he has lower back problems and that him from playing so we've all had little nagging pains whether it's um whether it's a back or a hip like i have whether it's a knee i know a lot of people have knee problems yeah i used to have knee problems and to try to run through even jog through knee problems or for me right now um to just to stand up straight with the with my back or to stand up straight with my hip are difficult um it stops you from doing anything. You know, if you have low back trouble, you know, you can't put on your socks, you can't put on your shoes. And we sit here. Now imagine those pains that you have. Imagine these aches and pains that you have. Now imagine instead of trying to do regular everyday activities, instead of trying to do those, you have to perform professional sports at an elite level. Think about you have trouble doing these things every day. These guys have to go out and perform professional sports at an elite level. Now I understand that they that playing through pain is part of is part of professional sports, and I understand that um, that perhaps when they get older, because they played through pain or because they were professional athletes, that they will suffer some of the ill effects of of those things. You know that they may have their bodies may be worse you know worse off when they're sixty or seventy or even fifty years old than if they had not played professional sports and i understand that they are um that they know what they're getting into when when they do those things but i think we put a little too much pressure on athletes to play while injured and i think we we probably reward athletes far too much for playing while injured and creating an atmosphere in which um in which doing harm to yourself Physically doing harm to yourself not only hurts them, at, not only hurts their physical being and their future and their lives, but hurts them as players. And I think, you know, we, we, we're so quick to call people soft for not playing with injuries. And the atmosphere is such that you're considered tough and you're considered a team player if you are playing with injuries that a lot of times they come back and, uh, it not only, it not only hurts their, their future and their lives and, and causes more pain, but it hurts their performance. Um, and I think Utley is a guy who we may have, who we've seen through the years. There was an article on CBS Philly that, you know, the way that Utley has played through the years, the, you know, his, his go all out and ignore injuries and play too many games and this thing that we've rewarded, one of the things that we've loved Chase Utley for, probably will end up being one of the things that cuts his career short. And one of the reasons that we might not see Chase Utley perform at a at a high level for the next four, three, four, five years, um, maybe even one or two years, we, we may never see Chase Utley play at a high level again, is because we reward the mentality that it's that it's a good thing to play through injuries and that a guy like Chase Utley is revered for being as tough as he was and for playing as often as he was. And then when you have guys that 
that do take days off, um, that take care of their bodies. Even something as simple as, you know, we love when Chase Utley busts it to first every play, and we hate when Jimmy Rollins doesn't run as hard as he can to first base. But all of those times that you run hard to first when you didn't need to, they all take their toll. You know, and beating up on your body like that takes its toll. And it may mean the difference. That could be the difference between a guy like Jimmy Rollins playing until he's 37 years old or 38 years old, you know, playing through this. He's, what, 33 now? Jimmy Rollins, 32, 33, something like that. And he's got a three-year deal with an option for a fourth, playing through this entire contract and playing 130 games and being a productive player and something like what Chase Utley is going through. And uh, and we're talking about him maybe never playing again. And I think a lot of it has to do with um, with that reward that we give professional athletes for for playing with injuries, and I think it's it's kind of sick. It's like there's a little bit of a gladiator mentality to it, you know. It um, there it, it sounds it sounds lame, and it sounds like I'm being um, I'm being too sensitive, but they're they are human beings and they're people, and to think about the pain that stops us from doing these things in our daily lives and what we expect them to do and what we expect them to battle through, all for all for our entertainment. Are you not entertained? It's kind of sick. It's kind of creepy. So, uh, Big Daddy Graham's here tonight, right? I have an issue, a little bit, I think, of it. Big Daddy Graham likes Mad Men, I think, from listening to Angelo this morning. Right. He likes Joan, right? Does he like Joan the most? But I wanted to talk, I'm excited to talk to Big Daddy Graham about Mad Men. I was going to talk about Mad Men all night, and I figured at this point I'd just hold it for Big Daddy Graham. So, and there's one thing about Mad Men, the preview, that everybody liked that I didn't like. There's one specific thing. So I'll hold that for Big Daddy Graham. Um, 888-729-9494 if you'd like to get in before Big Daddy Graham. If not, the hell, man. I got plenty. I can go on for hours. I'm Spike Eskin. 94 WIP Sports Time is 135. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Hunter Pitts with an opposite field home run. Philly Spring Training Baseball. Sports Radio 15, the 10, the 5, and he scores! Rollins scores up there around third. He will score. He got us a three. Oh, yeah! This is the new Sports Radio 94 WIP. Big Daddy Graham coming up at 2 a.m. Can't wait to talk to him about Mad Men. I can't wait to talk to somebody about Mad Men. I'm Spike Eskin. Um, hey, I was at the Sixers game tonight, and it was the first time at least from, I haven't been in Xfinity Live yet, but I saw it from, you know, from the Wells Fargo Center. It's enormous. It looks like, it legitimately looks like another, like, sports complex. It looks like a, an, another arena. Um, it's weird to see something other than the spectrum there, but the giant screen out front, it's crazy. So, uh, Rob Cherry and Ruben Frank will be doing their show there Saturday from 3.30 until 7.30. After the Flyers game, before the Sixers game, they're both home at the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, they will be ex- at Xfinity Live, Philly's Dining and Entertainment District, which opens officially on Friday. A dozen restaurants uh, and nightlife choices. Xfinity Live Philadelphia will take the South Philly Sports Complex way beyond game day. XfinityLive.com to find out more information. I'm just happy there's a bunch of stuff to do after games there. Um, you know, it's such a drag, just like the game ends and... Um, and there wasn't much to do, so now 
Now there's places to go, so I'm excited. So catch uh, catch Rube and Rob Cherry. Ask Ruben about his assertion that the Sixers are a better team without Andre Iguodala. Go up and ask him about that on Saturday. Why don't you? Ryan, you're on 94 WIP. Hey, what's going on, Spike? Hey, man, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, hey, let's... Hello? Yeah, are you if you're on, you're not on speaker, are you? I just took you off. Okay, no, thank you. Thank you, sir. Listen, you can't HCH. If one guy does it, they all got to do it. It it makes I don't care what David Segee says. I've taken it. It makes you better. It, it cuts your recovery time down to like a third. Well, but so, right, but what what David Segee said was is that is that like HGH much like Think think about a cold for a second, and and think about how you can't really take you're not supposed to take antibiotics to get better from a cold, right? I mean, you have to have you know an infection to get better with antibiotics. So you can't go prescribing antibiotics to everybody. I don't think HGH is something just because you have an injury, um, or just because you know you you then you get to prescribe it. I think there's got to be a set of standards, but I, I just I don't understand why people can take drugs for other ailments well, to get better and can't with HGH. Well, because it's, cause it's performance enhancing. It's like it's like the guy was saying, it, it's kind of very similar to blood doping. Like you're, it's, it, it just cuts your recovery time down. Like you could, you can lift, but just take it as like a, for a training, to train, you can lift every day with it. Well, well yeah, you but, lift but you're not going to get a doctor's prescription to lift every day with HGH. You, you can get a doctor to prescribe whatever you want, especially at that high level. And all those guys are always injured. So you can always take it. I mean, what what professional athlete isn't injured right now by the end of the season? Well, I, no, I, I, you, I, I disagree with you. I think you can have a set of standards in which doctors prescribe things for, for certain injuries. I, I think what you're talking about is abuse, and you can abuse any drug. Sure. Uh, well, uh, well, but that doesn't but, mean that you eliminate it. Well, I'm arguing Sagi's point is that it doesn't help you perform, and it is a performance enhancer. It's clearly a performance enhancer. No, that wasn't Sagi's point. Sagi's point was that, and if you if you listen to the whole thing, and it's on CBSPhilly.com, Sagi's thing, Sagi's point was that that it's not performance enhancing in that. It doesn't. He, his point was that if you combine it with testosterone, it makes you stronger. You know, it can help to make you stronger. His point was that HGH, it, in and of itself, helps you heal, but does not make you stronger. So much like steroids, um, steroids can help you heal when you lift weights. You know how anabolic steroids can help you get bigger when you when you lift weights. He's he's not saying that it's helping you get big. He's saying that it's helping you get better. And I think there's a fine there's a fine line between performing performance enhancing in that um okay. i would disagree with sagi there though because i mean it, it works similar to what steroids the way steroids work because i mean the anabolic steroids i mean nobody really takes anabolic steroids anymore anywhere you know what i mean that, that's not really the drug of choice to, to be a performance enhancer but even if you take anabolic steroids they would the only step that helps you that that has a two-prong effect it helps you heal it helps you recover quicker and it helps rebuild the muscle fibers quicker. Where HCH doesn't help you rebuild the muscle fibers quicker. Right. But it does help you it does help you recover a lot quicker. Well yeah, I but mean, doesn't doesn't but doesn't like but but see and here's where I understand your point. I'm I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not saying that your point isn't valid. Like I understand what you're saying. But then my my counter to that is that isn't every drug like when I take an anti inflammatory 
um, because I have, you know, when they, when they prescribe anti-inflammatories, even the most basic anti-inflammatories like naproxen or, or when I get a cortisone shot, like I, I can't decide what the difference between Chase Utley taking HGH and Roy Oswalt getting a cortisone shot in his lower back. I can't decide what, what the diff, what the real difference there is. I mean, I, I mean, I could see where, where if you argue, you can kind of, you can kind of gray the lines, but HDH, like I said, like I, I guess what it's uh, cortisone really just masks your pain. Really, that's all it does. It, it, it takes away the anti. I mean, it, you can't really argue. I mean, well, that's not true though. But that's not true. Well, it does have an anti-inflammatory effect. Yeah. But it also does mask the pain. I'm, I'm saying it masks the pain as it heals. So that's that's why cortisone is so effective for athletes. Like you can get shot up with cortisone and go play. Yeah. I mean, I can see the point of that saying like, hey. You know what? No, no more cortisone injections either, because you know this way Brett Favre couldn't have played all those games in a row. Could could he have played all those games in a row without Blakiston? No cortisone. Probably not. You're you're right. So so where's the where's the line? I guess it, it doesn't make you. I mean, I guess it makes you better, but it doesn't make you a better athlete. It's it, it just kind of it, yeah. It, it, I fix your pain where where if you take HCH and you're completely healthy, you'll get better. I'm telling you, I've taken it myself before it was illegal. You were allowed to take it as a college athlete. You were allowed to take HCH. It's a, nobody tested for it. It was very new. It was like in the early 90s. I took HCH. My bench press went from 225 to 275 in a month. Well, you're taking too much HCH. But what I'm saying is, it, yeah. it does performance enhance, and I can tell if, you. But if you misuse it, I think that's that's I I, I look. It, thank you for calling, Ryan. I got to get to Big Daddy. You make a lot of salient points, and I I understand what you're saying. But I think the difference between you are talking about uh, abusing a drug. There's a very clear difference between abusing a drug and using a drug. And every every drug we talked about that, that may be performance enhancing and may not be performance enhancing can be abused. Cortisone can be abused. Codeine can be abused. Any one of these drugs can be abused or can be used properly. So um, to say that that I can understand an argument for not using HGH. That I absolutely understand. But what I cannot understand an argument for not using HGH is because it could possibly be um, misused or because it could possibly be abused. That that's not a reason not for doing something. Then we wouldn't be dri- we wouldn't be able to drive. We wouldn't be able to eat. You can abuse anything. You can use or abuse anything. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that you. Uh, it doesn't mean that you outlaw it. Now again, I I totally understand why certain players or why why baseball has done what they've done with all with all PEDs. Why they've grouped all of this into one because they screwed up really bad by ignoring all of it. So one boss I was a boss I had once explained these things to me once not just baseball but the pendulum in general and when when the pendulum swings too far one way which it does sometimes with politics in in this country it swings too far republican so sometimes when when the pendulum swings too far republican it has to swing way the other way democrat for you to find the middle so with baseball the problem was is that the pendulum swung way too far with people abusing it so now they have to swing the pendulum all the way over to the other side where people aren't abusing it any you know where, where people are punished harshly for even abu- for using the smallest thing to find the middle to find the real middle to find what we maybe can use and can't use and I have a hard time believing that 
you know, something that, even though he was exonerated um, partially, that things that, you know, J.C. Romero is buying at GNC um, or or from things that small or things as big as HGH or 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 testosterone, you know, testosterone injections or whatever whatever the hell else they're doing i feel like there's there's got to be shades of gray in there and it can't just be black and white you can't just um you can't just say that all of these things that that make you better or make you able to perform are not allowed because there's so many regular medical things, there are so many medicines and surgeries that make you better, that make it possible for you to get better and make it possible for you to perform that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. I think it's impossible to to draw that line, you know. So, um, a Big Daddy, yes, Big uh, Daddy Graham. You uh, first of all, let me. Yeah, uh, wait. I don't think you're. Uh, there you hello, go. I'm Big Daddy. Yeah. Hi, Big uh, let Daddy. me comment on what you were just talking about. Yes. I, I, you know, I'll take anything. And, and most people will take anything if it's job related. Uh, the, the kind of work I've been doing my whole life. Uh, I mean, I abused uh, a drug called Medrol uh, for for years. I'm, I'm unhappy that I did, and it made my face all blow up and uh, and et cetera. But I was doing, you know, geez, eight nine shows a week. You know, uh, three on Saturday, two on Friday, in completely smoke jammed comedy clubs. When out a monitor, you're a musician, you will appreciate this. Uh, uh, the lousiest garage band goes on stage and they have <laughs> monitors. monitors at their feet. Yep. Comedy clubs never had them. It was the most bizarre thing. Yeah, so you, you, know, can't, you don't know if anybody can hear you, you can't hear yourself. It drives you crazy. And, and most importantly, you can't hear yourself, so you tend to shout. Yep. And I, you know, I've had three vocal surgeries as, as a result. Uh, but I can't tell you how many. Uh, Saturday mornings, I woke up where I had absolutely no voice whatsoever. And if I took, uh, you know, popped four of these medjol, boom, I not only had a voice, I was moving. Yeah. And I was, uh, you know, that's why I, I always disagreed with these people who said, uh, you know, well, you know, they, it, it, they can't help a singles here. <laughs> yes, yes, they can. <laughs> because you're like speeding. You know? yeah, yeah. Your eyes are much more, you see everything better, you move better. And uh, who was I just reading today? I can't believe this whole topic came up for you. An interview with Don Manningly. It's uh, this week's Sports Illustrated, and that question came up. Would you have taken him? And he went, yeah. I, I, I would have really, taken him. Really, Don Manningly? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he said, you know, uh, it, I, I know I would have taken him when I got into my mid-30s, and I was trying to extend my career. That's not, which is what Mike Schmidt said, pretty much. Uh, you know, it's... If, if, you know, if you're, if there's money at stake, yep. people will do virtually anything. They'll if put you, anything into their bodies, if, just, yeah. yeah. If you have a job, you know, the type of job that, you know, you got so many sick days a year and so many vacation days a year and you get paid regardless of whether you're there or not, then yeah, you're probably not going to end up getting into that scene. But if you don't show up to the club and you notice, you don't get paid. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's no, okay, well, we're going to pay you anyway, <laughs> even though we got to book another band now. Uh, that don't exist, so you show up. And um, I forgot what I was Oh, and the, the, that's why I have so much trouble when people pick and choose who's going to get in the Hall of Fame, who's not going to get in the Hall of Fame, because clearly if, if it's, 
ambiguous at all, which it is, which we're not sure who did it. So if we can't be sure who didn't do it, um, then we can't, you almost you can't punish anybody. I can't believe you're saying this. I've only been saying this for God knows how many years. Oh, yeah. If the pitchers were on it, too. No. So why are, we, why are we punishing the hitters? That they, yeah. If you got the numbers, you get in. Yeah, that's Sosa's it. Sosa's got to get in. McGuire's got to get in. Boz has got to get in. They because all, they're all playing in the same atmosphere. They, they all yeah. have to get in. Does yeah. that mean I'm happy about it? No. Uh, do, do I wish that all that would have happened? No, I don't. Because clearly... It went berserk there, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, so, so what, four straight years of 60 homers or whatever? Yeah. I mean, clearly it went berserk, but hey. Baseball didn't stop it because baseball didn't want to stop it. Money was raking it and all that stuff. I, I, I gotta compliment you on a, well, I think one of the <clears throat> great things about talk radio. Yeah. Is when you're in a car. Uh-huh. And a host is talking to a caller. Uh-huh. And a caller says something. You in the car or at home, wherever you are listening, you you hear what that call as you said, and you want the host to respond to that in some way. <laughs> yeah. Because you are. And I'm in the car listening, and a guy rather routinely, uh, you know, it said, you know, he worked with dolphins, and they kept right on talking <laughs> about what I forget what it was that he kept yeah. right on talking about. But you, you went, wait a minute. Back to the dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> Is that that was me? Yeah, that's the, the showstopper car right there. I was in the car the going, you know, but I have no interest in what you're about to say anymore. <laughs> so I want to go back to what do you mean you work with dolphins? Yeah, but you missed something. What did I miss? You did miss something. What? He then after you talked to him about dolphins and all this, yeah. stuff, and then it brought up celebrities. That used to, I guess, yeah, cost a lot of money Br- to go swim with the yeah, dolphins or whatever. Kobe Bryant, what? Yeah, but before he got to Kobe, yeah. very casually, went, oh, yeah, lots of celebrities. Joe Montana, John Lovitz, and, and can it, Joe, <laughs> that, I will never hear those two names. In the same sentence. In the same sentence again. <laughs> Ever again. I, I, Unless the they die going, on the same day. Did, uh, yeah, right, yeah. correct. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I said, did he just say Joe Montana, John Lovitz? I missed it. You ever, uh, you ever been in the same room with John Lovitz? Uh, no. He is exactly as advertised. Really? Just the nerdiest-looking, strangest guy. I, I happen to find him hilarious. Anything John Lovitz does. Yeah, Personality-wise, the same? He, everything about him was, really? was exactly the same. Uh, and uh, he's just one of those great characters. It, it, he doesn't... When you hire John Lovitz, it doesn't even matter if he's a serial killer or if he's an accountant, because you know he's just going to be John Lovitz. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be the same. The so same Montana, guy. John Lovitz. Yeah, like, no big deal. Like you know, had Jerry Rice not played, he would have been Lovitz. Would have caught all those. Gilbert balls. Gottfried, Jerry Rice. <laughs> you know, um, real quick. You're. I, I only heard. I heard it briefly with you and Angelo. I can't even remember if it was this morning or this talking morning. about Mad Men. Yes, because I made him watch it for uh, John Hamm's wife now. Uh, for Megan. Like, okay, well then that's oh, exactly what I wanted to God. talk about. Okay, so everybody has watched. I love Mad Men, and yeah. I was telling Adam that I I got into Mad Men when I was unemployed because I could watch them all in a row. Yeah. And the show is probably too slow for me to have gotten into it if I couldn't watch them all in a row at that one point. But it's my favorite it's show. It's an now. odd show. Yeah. It's no doubt about it. So I I I think it's overrated. Yet I've watched every yeah. episode. So yeah. what does that tell you? It's yeah. overrated, but I still love it. Correct. And yeah. it was two hours and really nothing happened on Sunday, and I still loved oh, it. Oh, well, yeah. her, okay. her cleaning the apartment in the bra and panties. Okay, but but the scene the scene that everyone went crazy about was the Zooby Zooby Zoo scene yeah, where she's singing. So she's singing, 
And I'm, all I'm thinking is like, oh, my God, this is awkward. This is so weird. I hate it. I hate it. And I look at Twitter, and everybody's like, this is so hot. This is so hot. And everybody in the room with Draper, like, at first when they were reacting, I thought they thought it was awkward. But they were all turned on by it. I got to tell you, man. No, no, I'm with you on that oh, scene. Oh, okay. The Zuby Zuby scene? Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. No, it, it absolutely was okay. weird. And, and right. it, 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 thankfully, that scene turned... Don Draper back in the Don, Don Draper. Yeah, because yeah. he was this different Don Draper throughout the beginning of the show. Then he turned in his old, good old, nasty, rotten, yep. miserable bastard self. It was the same. He was treating her the same way he treated Betty. Like, please yeah. me. I mean, you don't do something to please me the right way. I'm just going to be this. How jerk. about that line she said when she was inviting Peggy or whatever to the party? She goes, it, it's going to be such a great party. This party's going to make everybody. Uh,